You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show alongside Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Hey, Rob, how are you this morning, buddy? I'm doing well, Gary. How about you? Ah, uh, you know how it is, man. It's it's tough. I'm having I'm trying to hang in there over here, like a lot of people are. I think everybody is trying to hang in there nowadays. Yeah, you got you got it. What are you gonna do? What's the alternative? You know, I mean you gotta hang in there. Exactly. No matter how things are, are going, you gotta hang in. Um but I know that we've got a, a, a pretty good show uh, this morning, something that we haven't really tackled yet. Um, why yeah. Don't, why don't you intro? wanted to talk about appraisals today. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of inquiries lately from people that there's a lot of misconceptions, misinformation out there. They're confused about the appraisal process, whether it be buying a new home or refinancing, and really what the appraisal is all about and what role it plays in the process. And there's been a lot of issues with appraisals recently because there's a big shortage of appraisers out there. So it's creating a lot of bottlenecks in the mortgage process. So I thought it'd be great to tackle that. All right, let's do it. Um, Let's start with probably the most simple question when it comes to the topic. What is the purpose of a home appraisal? So the purpose of a home appraisal is to validate what the value of the property is that you're buying or refinancing. Of course, we have an estimate of what it's going to be. The realtor prices a property accordingly. Uh, When they're listing a home, if you're refinancing, you and your loan officer will come up with some sort of estimate on the value of the home. But that information has to be validated. So it gets validated by having a professional licensed appraiser go out to the property. In most cases, it's going to be a full appraisal where they'll go through the whole house, take pictures and measurements, and then they'll come up with a... Uh, an as-is value or a subject-to value that they're going to put on the property. And that value is what's going to drive the rest of the mortgage process as far as underwriting and the rest of the the processing of your loan. So that's the purpose of the appraisal. Are are appraisals required for all mortgages? No, they're not, actually. And I would say they are required for most mortgages, but there's a couple uh, times that they won't be required. So the first thing is... A conventional loan uh, through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac right now, a lot of those loans are getting appraisal waivers. Now, it's more common when you're refinancing Mm -hmm. and they have data in the system on your home. Uh, I see that quite a bit. But even on a conventional home purchase, I've heard of uh, some of the times that an appraisal will not be required. So that's one exception that can happen. Uh, The next thing is going to be an FHA streamlined mortgage, which is someone that already has an FHA loan that's just trying to reduce their interest rate. Those do not require an appraisal. And a VA interest rate reduction loan, which I know we talked about a couple shows ago, the VA interest rate reduction loan does not require an appraisal at all. Um, So those are the main situations where an appraisal will not be required. But like I said, in most cases, assume that you are going to need to get an appraisal. If you're not, your loan officer will let you know typically early in the process that we got some sort of waiver or if it meets the guidelines for one of these other no appraisal required programs. So what information is contained in the appraisal report then? Yeah, so an appraisal report is going to be typically like 20 to 30 pages on average for a residential appraisal report. 
and it's going to have detailed information about the property. Um, everything from the amount of square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms, the quality of construction, the condition of the property. There's going to typically be, you know, quite a few photos in there of each room in the property. And they're also going to do a market analysis, uh, of what's called a market condition form, where they're going to talk about if the market's stable, if it's increasing, decreasing, really what's going on with the local market. They're also going to look at the neighborhood and the general area, like what's around the property. And uh, probably most importantly, they're going to look at comparable properties. So other homes that have sold, they're usually looking for homes that have sold recently within six months is, is the normal protocol, although they can sometimes deviate from that. They're really looking for properties that are similar square footage, similar style that have sold in the last six months or less. And all that information is going to go into this very detailed report. Like I said, it can be 20 to 30 pages or more, and that's going to have all that that information in there for you and for the underwriter to review about the property. What are the different approaches then appraisers can take? Like, let's say if they want to value the property. Sure. So there's actually, there's three main approaches that an appraiser is going to use. Okay. One is going to be the sales comparable approach. That's by far the most common approach, especially when it comes to mortgage lending and one to four family homes. They're going to be looking at the sales comparable approach. So what that approach is, is they're going to look at anywhere from three to seven comparable properties. In the same neighborhood or are they usually as, in the same, or they could be anywhere? It's as close in, as possible. At least in town, right? Yeah, it's going to be as close as possible. Sometimes it'll be maybe on your street. Yeah. Other times they may have to, maybe nothing sold on your street recently. They might have to go a few streets away or a couple miles away, sometimes even to the next town over to find it. But the idea is that the appraiser is looking for comparables that are as close as possible and as recent as possible, as most similar to your property. And they're going to put a couple of those different um properties in the report, and mm -hmm. then they're going to compare your house to those one by one, and they're going to make adjustments on those properties in order to come up with a value for your property. So that's called the sales comparable approach. Then the next thing, uh, the next approach is going to be what's called the cost approach. So the way the cost approach is, is they're going to look at what would it cost to rebuild that property? What's the value of the land? What's the value of the different things in the property? The con you know cost of construction, that sort of thing. And then they're going to come up with a cost to rebuild that home. And that's considered the cost approach. And then the last approach, approach that appraisers are going to use is what's called the income approach. Now, this is only going to be relevant for multifamily properties uh, or properties that are being rented out for income. So even a single family home that's being rented, they could use the income approach on, but it's going to basically look at how much income would the property generate in the current market. So they're going to look at what are other properties similar to this renting for uh, in the current market. Again, same thing, recent sales or recent rentals and comparable to your property. All right, I just want to be clear on something. So of those three, the appraiser is looking at all three or one of the three or two of the three. Well, I guess if you're not using as a rental, they would look at the first two, right? Usually they're going to look at two out of the three okay. of these, but the mortgage lender is typically going to use the sales comparable approach. Okay. That's the one that the lender is going to look at. So on a multifamily property, you know, I've seen where they'll use the income approach and, you know, to show the rental income, 
potential, and they'll also show the sales comparable approach, what others have sold for. But the mortgage lender is going to be looking at what is that value based on the sales comparable approach. Okay. That's what they're going to look at. So typically, to answer your question, they're going to uh, review two of these different approaches, not always, but most of the time in the appraisal report. What would be different from a multifamily appraisal then uh, versus, let's say, a single family? So assuming that it's an owner occupied and you're occupying at least one unit, what a multifamily home is going to have that the single family is not going to have is that additional section about the comparable rental properties. Because in a, let's say a three unit property, you're going to live in one unit and rent out the others. The underwriter is going to want to know what do each one of these units rent for in the current market? And what is the tenant responsible for versus the owner responsible for? They're going to outline the expenses of the property, vacancy rates, things of that nature. So that's what's going to be entailed on a multifamily uh, owner-occupied appraisal versus a single-family owner-occupied appraisal. They're not going to look at what your home would rent for if you're going to live there. You see, if you're going to live there as a single family occupant, they're not going to look at what it's going to rent for but that because can it's not an investment. That can change. You can go and get the mortgage and you are living there and you buy another property. Exactly. And you, move somewhere else, and you could rent that. You actually could use that original, that first uh, single family home as a rental. You could use it, but we're talking about appraisals here. And okay. if you were to go and get. An or try to get a mortgage, let's say, after you move out years later, then you're going to go through a, pro a process of getting an investment property mortgage at that point. And they're going to go through, like we were talking about, the income approach and the other approaches that are going to validate what the property value would be for the underwriter. They don't care what the single family home will rent for if you're living there because you're living there. And we know what your mortgage payment is. We're more concerned with what are other homes similar to yours being sold for, because what this all comes down to is the worst case scenario. What if you don't pay your mortgage back? The the underwriter, the lender wants to verify that they can recoup their investment. They can get their money back from making you that mortgage. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I get it now because with all these different, you have appraisers. You know, you have. Um, you know, you have lenders, you've got real estate agents, mm -hmm. you know, you've got uh, adjusters, you've got, I mean, there's so many different things that you need to consider. You know, there's you as, as well. There are. Um, can you talk maybe a little bit about the current shortage of appraisers and, and, and how it's affecting the process of even getting a mortgage? Yeah. So something we've seen in 2021 a lot more versus previously is that appraisers are very busy, the ones that are out there. There's so much activity in the market right now between people refinancing their homes to take advantage of low rates, uh, people trying to pull equity out of their homes to buy other properties, invest, pay off debt, that sort of thing. And then all the people buying homes and selling homes, you know, that's making a huge workload for appraisers. And there's a very high barrier to entry for appraisers. You can't just go take a class and become an appraiser in a day or two or even a couple weeks. Uh, so the high barrier to entry comes down to the fact that you need to get licensed as an appraiser. So there's courses you need to take and tests that you need to take to prove that you're a legitimate appraiser. And there's also an apprenticeship that needs to be done by appraisers. Before they'll even let you get out there on your own, you need to do some shadowing of a current appraiser. And because there's a shortage and there's this long timeline of getting licensed and doing this apprenticeship and all that, it can take years to go from 
having that idea that I want to be an appraiser to the point where you can actually become a real appraiser and get out there and do these assignments. So because it's such a long time period, people aren't very attracted to it as a career opportunity, especially with the way the economy is right now. So it's just creating a ridiculous workload for the appraisers that are out there. You know, I've spoken to a couple appraisers I know, and they have never been so busy. They're having to decline many, many orders, one after another, because they just have more work than they can possibly handle. And that's a good problem for them from a professional standpoint. But if you're on the other side of it, as a real estate agent, a lender, a home buyer, or a homeowner trying to refi, you're going to entail a bit more of a delay in your process. It's creating bottlenecks in the process. So whereas before I would say we'd get most appraisals back in anywhere from one to two weeks, I would say now it could take upwards of two to four weeks to oh, get appraisals doubling back. Doubling the time. Yeah, basically doubling the time. That's why, as we were discussing a, a little bit ago, having a situation where you don't need an appraisal, mm -hmm. like a property inspection waiver from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, or an interest rate reduction loan through FHA or VA, those are great because we can move those loans through the process in just a week or two on the times where we have to wait for an appraisal, we'll have everything done, ready to go. And we're sitting there twiddling our thumbs for what seems like weeks sometimes to get these appraisals back because it is such a detailed job. It is such a detailed report. There's so much validation being done that it's a lot, it's a lot of work for an appraiser to do it. How much time is the appraiser spending at the home? The, that part doesn't take long at all. For them to go to your home and actually take their photos and measurements can be less than 30 minutes. The real work is entailed when they leave your home, when they have to go take pictures of comparable homes or find information on comparable homes online. They have to go to town halls to pull field cards and pull information from town halls. That can take quite a bit of time. I had an appraiser tell me the other day they had this multi-million dollar home they were appraising and they were having to go to like four different towns to appraise this home because it was such a unique property. It was so many square feet and it had a guest house and all these amenities they couldn't just find another house down the street or a couple. They had to go to multiple towns. So just to do that one report, this appraiser was saying it was going to take them like most of a day to do that. So while they're doing that, they can't go appraise other homes. While they're doing that, they can't be typing up reports. So you can see how it can really create a bottleneck. Yeah. And I know these appraisers are working as hard as they can. They're they're working diligently. But they're, they're backlogged. But they're just so backlogged right now. And look, attorneys, uh, real estate agents, lenders, everyone knows this is going on. This is not new. But I think that it's... You know, it started and it was a little bit tough earlier this year, and it's just slowly but surely created more and more of a backlog. And it's like even sometimes now just to get an assignment accepted by an appraiser, it used to happen within 24 hours. I've had assignments now that could take three, four, five days for my appraisal team to reach out and find someone who's even willing to take on the work. And that's just crazy. So... I think the important thing to note on that, Gary, is supply and demand. What happens when there's a huge demand for something, and which is homes right. and these appraisals, and there's a small supply of appraisers, well, prices are going to go up. I'm right? in the wrong business. I could be making a, a, lot, of a, lot, a lot of more money, money than these I'm appraisers making, uh... are cleaning up financially right now. So what they're doing is they're increasing the fees. Now, here in the Northeast, we're actually lucky because- Typically, if you're buying a home or refinancing a home worth less than a million dollars, you're usually going to be 
pretty good paying, you know, $500 or less for a single family appraisal, sure, yeah. maybe six, $700 for a multifamily appraisal. That's reasonable. I've heard of colleagues of mine in Portland, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, California, they're having to pay for a single family home appraisal because these appraisers are so backlogged. Not only are they paying top dollar, but they're also being told it could take a lot longer months sometimes. Oh yeah. That we'll have that appraisal back to you in 45 days. That's unacceptable. You know, it is. But unfortunately, that's the reality of the current situation with appraisals. That's the reality of the current shortage of appraisers. And that's what we're working with right now. So you need to prepare ahead. And, you know, I'm preparing my clients and my realtors. I'm preparing them up front that there's going to be delays. Like, let's be ready for it. No, we can't close in two weeks or three weeks now. Not because on my end, but because of the appraisal shortage. Because these appraisers might not even go out to the house for two to three weeks. And then it's going to take them another week or two to get the report back to us. So it's really important to set those expectations up front so that everyone knows what the issues potentially could be. Because right now, almost all the delays I'm seeing are related to this appraisal issue. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show along with uh, Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can check out his website at www.robgw.com. You can also give him a buzz if if some you, you like what you're hearing so far and it's you're intrigued. Uh, write this phone number down: eight six zero four one three three nine three eight. Once again, eight six zero four one three thirty nine thirty eight. And uh, this email address, uh, particularly when it pertains to this radio show, is Mortgage Matters Radio Show at Gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, along with uh, Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. What are some things though that a homeowner can do, maybe to maximize their home's value? Uh, when they're getting their home, you know, appraised for refinance, I, I would. It's kind of like I'm trying to look at it from selling, like selling a car. You know, I mean, you you want to wash the car and vacuum the car, yep. and shampoo the car, and wax the car. Well, what's what's the home version of, of right, that? right? So you know, there is a strategy, there are techniques, there are things that can be done to help maximize the value of your home. Obviously you know, influencing the appraiser isn't really possible nowadays because of all the regulations in play, but you want to put your best foot forward. Like you use the analogy of the used car and selling it. So the number one thing is that I strategize this stuff with all my clients. I know some mortgage lenders don't even talk about this, but I think it's important that you put that best foot forward. So the first thing is going to be making a list or at least expressing to the appraiser the improvements that you've done on the property. A lot of the time people will buy a house and then they'll do some painting, they'll change counters, they'll change floors, they'll do an addition, renovations, things like that. You need to realize that the appraiser is typically going into this appraisal appointment blind to you. They know the address, they know that you're buying or refinancing, but that's pretty much all they know. Maybe they pulled some information from town hall on the estimated square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms, but it doesn't have intensive detail that they're going to need to really give you credit for everything that you've done on the home. So a best practice that I use with all my clients is to have them actually talk to the appraiser If it's something that is just a couple basic things, they can tell the appraiser, hey, we redid the kitchen in 2019. We got a new roof last year. You know, a few things like that. 
But if it's an extensive renovation or something where there's a lot of work that's been done, that's the situation where you're going to want to make a list for them or, a you know, some sort of uh, record that they can take with them of all the information that you, you know, of what you've done to the property. Because that's going to help them really maximize the value and give you credit for all that. Is it just cosmetic things or, or structural? Or, or, or and, like, what does it entail? So my, like if I, is it appliances? Is it my uh, protocol, Gary, is everything. You don't determine as the homeowner what's important or not. Let them determine that. Okay? Yeah, but I want to go into it prepared. It's like taking an exam without studying. Then give them I everything. Know... Say I did. I got new appliances last year. You know, maybe you painted a wall. Sure, that may not add value, but tell the appraiser I painted that. You know, I did this. I did that. The more information you can give the appraiser on your property, the better it's going to be for them. The less missing information is going to be there, and the more value you're going to have in your home when they go to actually put that value, it's going to maximize the value because they're going to have all the details on what you've done. Now, sure, that one wall you painted may not add a dollar to the value of your home, but that's not for you to decide. That's for them to decide. So the protocol I use and I say is the more information you can give them, the better. Don't prejudge what they want to know or don't want to know. Give them all the information on mechanicals that you've changed around okay. renovations like i said adding a bathroom bedroom etc kitchen all that stuff but you also want to be there for the appraiser oh uh, you know don't just let them be there uh, on their own or okay. you know your cousin's there who knows nothing about the house because anyone over 18 can let them in but i see a big mistake happen where you're at work or something and you let them in and then they don't get all this detail that we're talking about you as the homeowner know your home better than anybody else. So you're the one that's going to want to be there for that appraisal. And along those lines, another tip is walk them through the house. Don't just let them in and say, hey, go on your way. Walk them through each room. Show them the improvements. Show them different things that you've done to the house. Point things out to them because they're just literally only going to be there less than 30 minutes. They need you to give them the information and show them all the little odds and ends. Let's dot the I's and cross the T's on all the details. So again, they can determine what can and can't be used uh, in that appraisal report. If there's anything that's unique or special about your property, let them know. They may have questions for you. If you're walking them through that house, you can answer those questions quickly and properly for them. And the last tip that I have about homeowners refinancing and getting appraisals is to be personable. These appraisers are not robots. They're humans like me and you. And if you're friendly, you're personable, you're nice. I'm not saying it's going to change the value <laughs> of your home, but hey, maybe that appraiser well, sure. will do your report a little bit quicker than the other one. Can you speak about the appraisal technologies and the new innovations and, and what appraisals will look like in the future? So something that I've seen just in the last few years innovate is the property inspection waivers, the the waivers right, on appraisals. Speaking, so I see that continuing to increase, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing it myself where like a larger percentage of my clients that are more specifically those that are refinancing where there's data already on their property from past appraisals, I'm seeing more and more that those 
inspection waivers are being given. So I see that continuing to accelerate in the future. The next thing is online appraisal portals and online uh, appraisal technology where you know, the appraisal is delivered to you online, which has been done for a long time, but you can also get status updates through the internet and through technology. Um, we're using appraisal porters to coordinate scheduling of appraisals and things like that. I think that's going to continue to increase and be innovative. Maybe they'll be creating some phone applications for your smartphone that can help track appraisal statuses, schedule appraisals, things of that nature. That would be really cool. Um, and the last thing is around innovation is I see that the appraisal Appraisal databases are continuing to get more and more data. You know, we're in an economy now where everything's being tracked and appraisals have been tracked for quite a few years, but they're getting more and more data now in these systems. And I think it's going to create a situation where more and more uh, automation is going to be coming with the appraisals, which is good because there's a shortage. So if we don't need as many appraisals done, then it's going to make it so that the appraisers that are out there aren't as backlog. So that's going to really be awesome. And it's also going to create more accuracy because as we know, humans make errors and I'm not saying robots don't, but when you have technology to back you up and you have innovation behind you to double check numbers and figures and facts, it can only create a better process for everyone and a quicker process. So I see that continuing to move forward. What are the AMCs? By the way, when I say AMC, just for our listeners, the appraisal management companies. So what are appraisal management companies and I don't know. How do they fit into this whole equation here? So back when I started in the mortgage industry in the early 2000s, there were no appraisal management companies. Oh, this is something that okay. came in after the housing crisis. So let me kind of back up and give you some history on how this came about. So back after the housing crisis, like we've talked about before, it was really fueled by mortgages and exotic mortgages and appraisers being pressured and things. So I believe it was 2011, the Home Valuation Code of Conduct came out, which is known as the HVCC. And what that did was it created some laws and guidelines around the appraisal process to ensure that we wouldn't have another housing crisis fueled by over appraising and, and by this whole situation. So it required the creation of this third party, which is an AMC. The AMC or appraisal management company is the liaison between the lender, the realtor, and the uh, the the actual um, excuse me the lender the realtor and the homeowner or whoever okay. has the property okay so there's all these people involved that were talking directly but now they're not now they all go through the AMC that's like the third party to make sure that everything's in compliance so that's how that works they handle the appraisal assignment they handle communicating with the appraisal they handle the revisions if there's any needed and that but unfortunately it drives up the cost because anytime you add a middleman, right? There's additional costs. So that's an unfortunate thing. But I'm hopeful that in the future, there will be less, a uh, less intensive solution for everyone. Is there really, really quickly, uh, my last question, I'm running out of time. Is there any connection between a home inspector and a home appraiser? No, there's no, no, uh, no the, compar comparison at all. Their jobs Completely don't overlap. Different. They don't overlap. A home inspector is there to actually look at the condition of the home and what needs to be done and things of that nature. The home appraiser is there to actually value the home and put a value on the property. The home inspector won't put any value on the property. All right. Folks, uh, wow. The things I learn on this show every week. That's why this show is so important. If you like what you've heard uh, this morning or any of the other shows that we've done in the past, uh, please visit 
Rob's website, it's www.robgw.com. Once again, robgw.com. And I would keep this phone number handy. You're going to want to make an appointment. Uh, 860-413-3938. Once again, 860-413-3938. This is why you, you are an encyclopedia of knowledge. You really are. As a, Thank you. I mean, it's and you're right. Mortgage does matter. It's a perfect name for the show. Uh, if you've got a question that you'd like to have asked on these very airwaves, hey, who knows? Could be even as soon as next week. Simply email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. So long.
Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.